Well, hey, church. I want to welcome all of you across our network. If you're at Rock Island here, Bettendorf, Kiwani men, those tuning in online. We're continuing a conversation we started last week that we're simply calling Worth It. Because we've all asked the question, is it worth it? Each day we make decisions about what's worth our time, our attention, and our resources. We make decisions for work, relationships, about our finances based on our understanding of what's worth it or not. And we'll gladly sacrifice time, energy, sleep, money for what we consider to be worth it. But how do we know if it is or not? Without the right frame of reference, we can struggle to know what's worth it or not, and often only after the fact have some sense of whether it was worth it or not, without the right frame of reference. Kind of like the individual in this picture. This dude appears to have been involved in the running of the bulls scenario, and now he finds himself in a very precarious position, probably wondering if it was really worth it or not, after the fact. But what if we could know if it was worth it before we find ourselves in that kind of predicament? What if we could know a bit more fully ahead of time what's worth it and what's not worth it? See, there are a number of situations and circumstances in life where we ask the question, is it worth it? And most of the time, we end up doing a simple cost-benefit analysis saying, is, is the gain worth the cost? Does, it, does the gain surpass the cost? And if it is, we think, ah, we're good to go, we're going to chase it. But living a life that is worth it is far more than just cost-benefit analysis. It's more than how it feels. It's more than how it turns out. In fact, God doesn't even use cost-benefit analysis and things that matter. He, he looks at inherent worth and value. And so we're having a conversation to understand how we fit into that and how we can know what's worth it. And last weekend, we just laid some foundational concepts for us to continue in the conversation. I'd like to take a moment to review them for us today as we get going in the next part of the conversation. One of those concepts is simply the idea that how we live now determines how we live next. How we live now determines how we live next. So what we do today matters and ripples for tomorrow. How we live in this life matters in the next life. What we do matters. How we live now determines how we live next. We also looked at the reality that priorities more than our possessions determine things. So priorities determine more than our possessions. This is not just a conversation about whether we should have stuff or not. This is a conversation about whether our stuff has us or not. Because Jesus said our heart follows our treasure. So our priorities determine more than our possessions, which position us to understand that what we value more than what we experience determines what's worth it. It's not how easy something is or how difficult something is. It's not the cost benefit. It's not what we experience. It's what we value. It's the prioritization in our life, the priorities we set that set us up to define what's worth it in life. Now, many of you took the invitation last week to take a picture of the things that God says are worth it in your life and to post it on social media. Thank you for doing it. I love that you're doing that. Continue to do it. In fact, we're going to share those before and after services in this series. I want you to take the time to declare and celebrate what's worth it. You can even grab one of these cards and take it with you. That's in, it's in your lobby at your campus. And, and take the picture with this card, declaring that it's worth it. And post it to Facebook or, or Instagram or, or Twitter. But make sure you hashtag worth it and tag Heritage Church in it. Or at Heritage QC so we can find it. Because we want to celebrate with you what's worth it. And if you don't do social media, that's okay. Take a picture and email it to us. If you don't do email, 
that's okay. Stop in the office and tell us about it. Just, let's just celebrate what's worth it in life. What God says is worth it as we invest. So keep sharing them with us. You can stop in the lobby, even use one of the frames today to capture a pretty cool picture about what's worth it. All right, listen, we, uh, we all have stuff that we value in life. We place priority on. And then those things every day determine what we pursue, what we protect, and what we invest in. And they tell a little bit and reveal a little bit about who we are and, and our heart. But they also do more than that. They determine what's possible and impossible in life. And we saw last week in an exchange between a young man and Jesus, this reality playing out. In fact, today I want to go back to that moment. I want to study the same moment we looked at last week. Some of you are going, what? Wait, did he just say we're going to study the same thing we studied last week? Yes, I did. Is that worth it? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Listen, Scripture, man, you take any part of Scripture, no matter how many times you looked at it, every time we go back, every time we ask God to speak to us and lead us by the Holy Spirit, there is more to gain and glean from it. And this particular encounter between a rich young man and Jesus is actually captured in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And we looked at it in Mark 10. And we're going back to that same moment, but we're going to do it in Luke chapter 18. So if you've got a Bible, I'd love for you to grab it, click and turn to Luke chapter 18. Scriptures in your note guide will be on the screen as well. As you're turning, let me just remind you that this is occurring as Jesus is approaching the end of his public ministry. He is on his way to Jerusalem for the last time, and he is teaching his disciples what's worth it, what would be worth it in the days and weeks and months and years to come. But they're interrupted by a man who approaches Jesus and asks a question. So we're in Luke chapter 18, starting with verse 18. Once a religious leader asked Jesus this question, Good teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus asked, asked him. Only God is truly good. Now we know from Matthew and Mark that this dude was not just a religious leader. He was a young man who was wealthy. And he came to Jesus to find out what was worth it. Mark tells us that he approached Jesus, ran up to Jesus, and knelt before Jesus and asked this question. And he's off to a great start in approaching Jesus. He's off to a great start in asking a question about eternal life, but he's asking the wrong question. Because he didn't understand that eternal life wasn't so much about what we do, but about what we believe. Or more accurately, who we believe in who we believe in. But he's, he's on the right track in approaching Jesus. So he's off to a good start. He's doing the right thing by coming to Jesus, and that's important because doing the right thing is essential for anything that's worth it, which takes us to the first feeling in your note guide, that doing the right thing, that's worth it. Doing the right thing is worth it. The man is on track. He's pursuing Jesus, asking a question about eternal life because that's important, that's worth it, and, and he's coming, and doing the right thing is worth it. It's always worth it. Now, that may seem like a no-brainer or overly simple to you, but I posit the question to you, is it really? <laughs> because I think we've all found ourselves on the backside of not doing the right thing, of choosing to do the wrong thing asking if it was worth it. And it never is. Doing the wrong thing is never worth it. Even if we think in the moment that it is, when we get to the backside, we realize it wasn't. 
Doing the wrong thing is never worth it. Doing the wrong thing always leads to the wrong results. Two wrongs don't make a right. But doing the right thing, that's worth it. No matter how hard it is, no matter the cost associated with it, no, no matter how unpopular it is, doing the right thing is worth it. So then that probably gets you to start to think about what is the right thing. Well, the definition of what the right things are comes from God. He defines those things. Jesus establishes right and wrong. He establishes what those right things are. And as we know him, we begin to know what those right things are. I'll talk about that a little bit more in our time today. But I want to pause and just acknowledge again how this young man approached Jesus and, the, and, and how he addressed him. Because he called him good teacher. And we know from last week that in Jewish culture of this time, no one was considered good but God because that word used for good there implies sinlessness. So that, that the way he approached Jesus would have raised some eyebrows and even Jesus recognizes that and Jesus pushes on what the man said and how he addressed him as good teacher, but he pushes on him not because it's a wrong thing, but because it's the right thing. And he needs to understand that. That he needed to understand that the, the answer to his question was rooted in the appropriateness of the title, good teacher. Because Jesus was fully God and fully man. And he is the source of salvation. And that man needed to understand that. And we don't know how much time passed between the question and Jesus continues to talk, but he does continue to speak. And the man doesn't answer or respond. But here's what Jesus says as we continue on in Luke 18. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not commit adultery. You must not murder. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. Honor your father and mother. The man replied, I've obeyed all these commands since I was young. When Jesus heard his answer, he said, there is still one thing you haven't done. Sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Because again, our heart follows our treasure. Then come, follow me. But when the man heard this, he became very sad, for he was very rich. Now there's a lot to unpack out of this exchange, and if you want to get a few more details about it, you can check out last week's message online. But I want to take a moment and step back into how do we understand what's worth it in life? How do we know a bit better beforehand before we actually step into it and not have to rely on just how it turned out? See, when we, we talked about that doing the right thing is worth it. But it's not just doing the right thing. It's doing the right thing for the right reasons. Doing the right thing for the right reasons. Doing the right thing for the right what? Reasons. It's the why behind the what. It's the reason that we engage in that thing. Because we can do the right thing for the wrong reasons. Here's a really, really simple example that happened not, not, not long ago for me. Um, I was, I had a little bit of time in my schedule and I decided to go to one of our network locations just to check on some things in that space. And it was a good thing that I did because when I got there, I actually encountered somebody I was supposed to have a meeting with in that space at that time. <laughs> I had forgotten. It just blew my mind. It slipped my mind. And I was like, oh no. But so I ended up going to the right place, doing the right thing for the wrong reason. I didn't go there to the meet. I actually went there to check on a couple other things. So we can do the right thing for the wrong reasons. And that may seem like an overly simple, even trivial example. But you got to understand something. The rich young man did the right thing by approaching Jesus and asking him about eternal life, but he ultimately did it for the wrong reasons. And what's worth it is doing the right thing 
for the right reasons. Because God ultimately doesn't just look at what we do. He's looking at our heart. So it's both what we do and why we do it. It's action and heart condition. And the rich young man's story helps us understand this. See, Jesus didn't list off a few of the Ten Commandments so that the man would understand what those commandments are, those right things. He knew what those things were. He understood that. Jesus knew he knew them. He knew the right things to do. What he lacked was understanding the right reasons. See, he didn't understand that what God wants and desires is not just us following rules, but us being in relationship with him. It's not about rules and just doing right things. It's about the relationship that comes out of that and the why behind it. God doesn't just want our compliance. He, he actually wants our obedience, which is different. He, he wants us. He wants our heart. He even prefers obedience over cold sacrifice. Check out what Samuel says in 1 Samuel 15. He says, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. Samuel's declaring that just doing stuff that's right without having the heart is not what God desires. He wants obedience, and obedience is different than compliance. Obedience brings a level of relationship into it. Obedience brings a level of trust, and God wants us. Jesus just doesn't want our compliance. He wants our reliance. He wants us to depend on him. Because he wants to walk with us and talk with us. And so he desires obedience over cold sacrifice and just doing right stuff. But doing right things for the right reasons. Connecting it to the heart that we bring behind it. There's a difference between obedience and compliance. And we can do the right things for the wrong reasons. Maybe it'll help to think about it this way. We all know that there are things we can do in life that we can categorize as right things and we can categorize wrong things. There are right things and wrong things that we do in life. Uh, we, we know them at a young age. We're taught them. We inherently can feel some of those out. These are, there, there are things that we can do that are right and things that we do that are wrong. And, and it's really what we do is what we're talking about. And we have a choice in this. But it's really not that simple because it isn't just an issue of what we do, it's an issue of why we do it. Therefore, there can actually be right reasons that we do things and wrong reasons that we do things. We can, we can do right and wrong and we can have right and wrong reasons behind them. It's just that, it's that complicated, so to speak. Now, hear me, this is why this is important. Therefore, we can do wrong things for the wrong reasons. That young man in Florida involved in the shooting did the wrong thing for the wrong reasons. Out of his own brokenness in his life, the tragedies in his life, he facilitated greater tragedy in life. That words are inadequate to describe. Wrong thing for wrong reasons. We can do wrong things for wrong reasons. We can also do wrong things for right reasons. But quite honestly, this is where we just justify wrong behavior. And most often, we're really actually doing wrong things for wrong reasons. <laughs> Beyond that, we can actually do right things for the wrong reasons. I gave you a really simple example of me going to the right location for a different purpose than the meeting I should have been going for. 
the rich young man approached Jesus, right thing, but he ultimately does it for the wrong reason. We can end up in these scenarios, but here's the deal. The only thing that's worth the cost and the sacrifice, the thing that is worth it, always worth it, is to engage the right thing with the right reasons. To do the right things with the right reasons. The rich young man approached Jesus, and that was right. The rich young man followed the law, that was right. But he did it with the wrong reasons because he thought salvation could be earned rather than what it really is, is something to be received. He did the right thing by approaching Jesus and asking the question about eternal life, but he did it with the wrong reasons because he approached Jesus not to be his savior, he approached Jesus to be his own savior. He, he approached Jesus to, not to be the one who gives him eternal life, but to be the one who would earn eternal life himself. He, he didn't come to Jesus to be saved, he came to Jesus to save himself. Right thing for the wrong reasons. Now here's where the tragedy gets even worse for me in this. He goes from right things to wrong reasons, to wrong things, wrong reasons. As he rejects what Jesus declares, and he walks away sad. And the truth is, we can end up in any one of these scenarios in our own choices. But this is the only one that's worth it. It's the only one that warrants hashtag worth it. Doing the right thing for the right reasons. It's worth the cost, it's worth the sacrifice, it's worth the persecution that Mark says comes along with following Jesus. Are you tracking this? Okay, here's the thing. There, there's one more reality when it comes to doing the right things for the right reasons, and it has to do with what we have. We, we already know that, that our possessions aren't the thing that have the greatest influence. It's actually our priorities that determine more than our possessions. And what, what Jesus was doing as he spoke to the rich young man, and everything he invited the rich young man to do was about a heart issue. It was about positioning his heart to be able to live into his purpose, to be able to do the right things for the right reasons. And in that dynamic, Jesus knew that without the right heart, the man would not do the right things for the right reasons. So let's take a look at what happens next in verse 24. When Jesus saw this, that's the man walking away sad, he said, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. In fact, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard this said, then who in the world can be saved? He replied, what is impossible for people is possible with God. Peter said, we've left our homes to follow you. Yes, Jesus replied, and I assure you that everyone who has given up house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will be repaid many times over in this life and will have eternal life in the world to come. Here's the deal, friends. Doing the right thing for the right reasons is worth it. But doing the right thing for the right reasons with the right resources, that's worth it. The right resources. When we're talking about stewardship of time, talent, and treasure, when I say right resources, we're talking about being able to do whatever God says with whatever he gives. You start to define what's a right resource. It's whatever God gives and whatever he asks. It's time, it's talent, it also is treasure. And, and the reality is, what, when, when God gives us something, he's positioning us to use it for his glory. Whatever he gives, whatever he asks. When he asks us to do something, when he asks us to step in bold obedience, he gives courage and strength. When he asks us to step into a loving investment, he positions us in relationships with compassion to be able to do it. 
When he asks us to step into key tasks, he gives us resources and, and talents, and he, the ability to step into it. It's, it's time, talent, treasure, but it's how we steward it using the things that he gives us for the purpose he calls us to. So when he calls us to be generous, he's given us what we need to be able to be generous and to do it with joy. He expects us to use what he gives to do right things for right reasons and to do it not begrudgingly, but joyfully. Consider what Paul said about this in Corinthians. He said, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. This is, this is the call to do right things for the right reasons, with the right resources, our heart, our time, our talent, our treasure. Doing the right thing for the right reason with the right resources. Now let me be really clear because anytime we start hinting around or talking around money in the church, people get uncomfortable. They all start to freak out a little bit. Listen. Okay, listen. <laughs> Jesus talked about money more than anything else. And because he did, we're quite comfortable as a church talking about it as well. But you have to understand, we don't ask for money as a church. We ask for something more. We ask for faithfulness. We ask for obedience. We call each other to, to seek God, to, to talk to God and do what he says, to listen and obey, because that then positions us to do right things for the right reasons with the right resources. And that rich young man, he was positioned to be able to step into that, but he didn't. He, he let the gifts that God had given him distract him from focus on the giver. He found himself, even though he sought Jesus, that was good. He went to listen to Jesus. He asked Jesus a question. In the end, he decided not to use the resources he had been given in the way God had directed him as Jesus communicated it. And he ends up walking away sad. He actually chooses to embrace what he had rather than what he could receive. He chose what was rather than what could be as he positioned his belongings, his possessions with greater priority. So his stuff ended up holding his heart and not Jesus. And in that distraction by his gifts from the giver, it defined him because what, what distracts us will ultimately define us. So doing the right thing for the right reasons with the right resources, man, that positions us to live a life that's worth it. But it means we know and understand what's God's and what's ours, what, what's not ours. It reminds me of the story of a young boy who back in the days where you could buy ice cream for a nickel, he and his grandmother would go to church every Sunday. And after church, they would go to the ice cream shop and they would buy ice cream together. And one day, she wasn't feeling well, but she gave him a nickel for the offering plate and a nickel for ice cream and sent him off to the church. On his way there, he was just being a boy. He was skipping and hopping around. And he was crossing a bridge, jumping up and down when he heard a clink. And he looked over and saw one of the nickels his grandmother had given him rolling towards a crack. And he went to reach for it. It fell down through the hole. And he looked down through that crack and he watched helplessly as that nickel fell down in the river and it was gone. And then he got up and he brushed himself off and he said to no one in particular, well, there goes God's nickel. <laughs> If we're going to do the right thing for the right reasons, the right resources, we need to know what belongs to God. And, and the rich young man 
began to protect what he had at the expense of what he really wanted, what he really needed. He believed it was worth it to go to Jesus, but then he made this assessment where he valued the comfort of this life over the eternal life he was asking about. And he lost sight of what was his and what really belonged to God. That's why Jesus was asking him to go sell and give it away. It was a heart issue. When we do the right thing for the right reasons with the right resources, that's a life that is worth it. Now this is all well and good, and this it may even make sense to you, but if it doesn't change how you and I live, if it doesn't position us to do the right thing for the right reasons with the right resources, we're stopping short. Jesus modeled right thing, right reasons, right resources in how he lived. In fact, there's one particular scripture in the book of Philippians that captures this pretty cleanly for us. And I wanna to jump to it now, it's Philippians chapter two. These are the words of Paul. He said, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. I'd like you to read that with me, that first sentence. Just read aloud, Bettendorf, hop in. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. That's the call. That's right thing, right reasons, right resources. And then he goes on to explain what that looks like. He said, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to, be, to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. That's right resources. Divine privileges. Jesus gave up his divine privileges, right resources. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. That's right thing. He did the right thing with the right resources. Let's continue on. Therefore God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess and declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. <laughs> That's right reason. Right reason, right thing, right resources. And our attitude, how we live, should be the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus as we follow him. Right thing, right reasons, right resources. So what? Look, if we're gonna live a life that's worth it, and, we under, and we're looking to understand right things and right reasons and right resources, then we also need to understand that God is the one who defines that. His priorities, his values. Jesus is the one who sets the standard. That whenever, whenever, whatever Jesus says, if he says, go sell it all, go sell it all. If he says, give it all, go give it all. Whatever Jesus calls us to do, do the right thing, right reasons, right resources. Do whatever he asks, the way he asks. He's worth it. He's worth it. He's worth any hardship. He's worth any sacrifice. He's worth any cost. He's worth persecution. Jesus is worth it. When he calls you to love, love. When he calls you to give, give. When he calls you to forgive, forgive. He's worth it. And by how he lived, how he emptied himself and became obedient and hung on a cross to pay the penalty we couldn't pay, he declares we're worth it. Others are worth it. You are worth it. You and I are worth his sacrifice. You and I are worth the investment of doing right thing, right reasons with the resources he gives. You're worth it. It's one of the hardest things I think for us to embrace sometimes. Last week I had to turn to people and fist bump them and say, you're worth it. I'm not gonna do that this weekend. But I am gonna ask you to turn to somebody and point at them 
and say you're worth it. So do it right now. Turn to somebody, make eye contact, point and say, you are worth it. You don't have to know them. Just look across the room, Bendorf, get in on it. You are worth it. You are worth it. Listen, you do not have to take my word for this. Here's what Paul declares. Here's what he says. He says, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus. We're his handiwork. We're created in Christ Jesus. He gives us purpose to do good works, to do right things with right reasons, with right resources, which God prepared in advance for us to do. These are things that he's positioned us to step into, and everything he asks us to do, he gives us the resources to be able to do it if we would just step into it. Doing right things, right reasons, with right resources. He's prepared those things for us. They're available if we'll step into it. And I don't care what the world says about you. I don't care what label any person gives you. You are an image bearer of the king. You have divine purpose. He has a plan for you. If you will step into it and do right thing, right reasons, right resources, he will blow your mind and transform your life and those around you as well. And it is worth it. It is worth it. Now, the only way that's possible, though, is through a relationship with Jesus. To experience this dynamic, we have to have a relationship with God through Jesus. There is no other way to do right things, right reasons, with right resources. We need Him. We need Him. And many of you have heard the description of choosing Jesus and receiving Him as Lord and Savior, and that's essential. But I got to tell you, if you don't do this, you are incapable of living doing right things for right reasons. We need His Holy Spirit's power. We need Jesus to position us in relationship with God so we understand what is right, and we understand the reasons why, and we can manage and steward those resources by His strength and power. And if you've never made the decision to receive Jesus, I pray that you would do it today. On the back of the note guide, you can read how, and there's a prayer, and you can move from spiritual death to spiritual life. You can, you can ask Jesus to be Savior and Lord, and He will wash away all the stuff you've done that wasn't worth it. He will cleanse you, make you whole, make you a new creature, new creation, one created to do good works. If you'll pray that prayer, maybe for the first time or as a rededication because you've maybe invested in some things, doing wrong things, wrong reasons. Today's a day to recalibrate that. And I encourage you to do so because he's worth it. It's worth it and you're worth it. The, the rich young man, if he had just done the right things, the right reasons, the right resources, if he would just done what Jesus had asked in the way Jesus had asked it, he would have had a very different journey. He would have experienced joy and hope and provision like no other. He would have been on the greatest adventure ever if he just would have chosen to do the right thing, the right reason, with the right resources. But he chose to do the wrong thing for the wrong reasons and the wrong resources. He chose to position himself to embrace what he had at the expense of what he could receive. He chose to pursue lesser things and lived a lesser life. When he could have had all the full power and resources of God brought to bear in his life. He started to protect what he had at the expense of what he really wanted. And we can do the same. But anytime we do, it's not worth it. Because whenever we start protecting what we like, whenever we start protecting our position, our comfort, our platform, our influence, our possessions, whenever we start protecting what we like, we stop pursuing what he loves. Our heart follows our treasure. And the moment we don't keep the treasure on him and his values and priorities, our heart drifts 
and we stop pursuing the very things he loves, when we start protecting that stuff that we like, the stuff that is, the, the, the comfort in our life, like the rich young man, we stop pursuing what he loves. And, and, and listen, God declares what's worth it. And he doesn't use cost-benefit analysis. He sees inherent worth and value. He declares what's worth it. It requires no explanation and no further justification. He is God. He is creator God. And he declares what's worth it. But the moment we start to embrace what we like at the expense of what he loves, our comfort, and we choose not to risk with Jesus, when, when the moment we do that, we instantly stop pursuing what he loves. We stop pursuing what he wants. And if we don't embrace the instructions of Jesus, we end up like that rich young man where we choose to walk away and we begin to protect what we have as opposed to pursue what we could receive. And then we end up being in a place where Jesus is not really our Lord. We, we may believe in him. We may come to him. We may want what he has to give. But if we don't submit to his authority and do the right things, the right reasons with the right resources, well, then he's not our Lord. And we end up walking away sad. In fact, the reality is we are sad and longing in any one of these three scenarios. It's only in this reality of right things for right reasons that we find joy and peace even in the complexity of life. Our, our ability to know what's right comes as we lean into scripture. The Bible is filled with, with instructions and information about what right things are and what those right reasons are behind them. As we study the word and we pray, the Holy Spirit leads us to understand right things and right reasons. And when we drift, it prompts us to come back that we can do right things for right reasons. We, we can give because he says give. We can sacrifice because he says sacrifice. We can forgive because he forgave us. We can love because he loved us. I'll make this really practical. We can choose not to look at that image on the computer because we realize that person is an image bearer of the king. We can choose not to gossip about somebody else because we realize we're tearing them down as image bearers of the king. We can do right things for right reasons. It's not about rules. It's about relationship. When Jesus laid out the handful of commandments to that rich young man, he wasn't calling him to rules. He was ultimately calling him to relationship as he said, come follow me. He was inviting him into that prepared thing that God had for him, those good works as, as someone created in the image of God. He was inviting him into that space. But the problem was, he chose lesser things and lived a lesser life as he shifted from pursuing to protecting. When he stopped pursuing Jesus because he tried to count the cost and all of that and chose it wasn't worth it, when he shifted from pursuing and shifted to protecting, he stepped out of, stepped out of God's purpose. And you and I can do the same thing. We have ended up, every one of us have ended up in a scenario over here. I don't want you to despair about that because today is a day to choose to do right things for right reasons. We, have, we serve a God of love and grace and today is a day, no matter what you have done over here, where you can choose to live here in his power and his strength under the authority of Jesus. Listen, I wanna, I wanna leave you with one final question and, and let it process, let you can process it through the week and even today. But where are you protecting instead of pursuing? Where have you shifted from pursuing the things of God and you, you've, maybe the cost was too great, maybe the circumstances were too, uh, you started to figure out was it worth it based on the sacrifice and you started to protect rather than pursue. 
Where are you protecting rather than pursuing? Where are you not doing the right thing because you're trying to protect something you have at the expense of what you could receive? You're, you're, you're protecting what is at the expense of what can be. Where are you protecting instead of pursuing? God has prepared good works for you. That's what's worth it. You just need to step into it. He's worth it. But it requires us to be in a posture where we pursue him and we stay in a posture of submission to him and we let him decide what's right thing and right reason and right resource. In fact, one of the things I want to invite you to consider doing in our approach to Easter is consider engaging in a Lenten devotional as an expression of pursuing him. Today on your way out at each of our campuses, you'll see these available in your lobby. It's also available online to download. This is a devotional made in-house here at Heritage. Pastor Josh Howard did much of the heavy lifting to, to bring the content and with many others involved, we pulled this thing together and this is an incredible resource for us as a church family to walk towards Easter together pursuing him. To be in scripture, to know right things and right reasons, to, to let the Holy Spirit speak through us in moments of prayer. We even have playlists and songs that go along with the daily investments that you can find online or just link into your own resourcing. But I encourage you to grab a hold of this and prepare to start this on March 1st and our journey towards Easter. I encourage you to give a $5 devotion if you pick this thing up. You want to give more, that's great too. We'll take it. <laughs> but not everybody's going to be able to do that. But so we invite you to grab it, whatever you can do. You can download it online at heritageqc.com, but this is a great way for us to pursue and not protect. I encourage you to consider doing that as we step towards Easter. But today, as you process what you might be protecting instead of pursuing, I pray that God speaks and you're willing to hear what he has to say and you'll choose to do right things for the right reasons with the right resources, whatever he asks and the way he asks it. Would you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, I thank you for the opportunity we have to just chase you, to pursue you. And even when we drift, Father, even when we, we choose not right things and the right reasons, we get some wrong elements in that. God, you still have grace for us. You still love us and you call us to more. And so, Father, I pray as my brothers and sisters just reflect on this time as they seek your face, as they process maybe where they're protecting and no longer pursuing what you love. I, may we all be willing to hear from you and be willing to boldly step in doing right things for the right reasons, with the right resources, the things you give us for your glory. So Jesus, speak, lead, and direct. For we love you, and we pray these things in your name. And everybody said, amen.